What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Jensen, alongside uh, the birthday boy, yes, sir. Chance Isles, 21 years old a couple days ago. Uh, you could see that on everybody's Snapchat story. Just about everyone's. It was Just a tough about night. everybody's. Yeah, he he had a rough night the other night, but I'm still feeling the repercussions <laughs> from it. But we'll, we'll get through it. We're, we'll get through this one. We got a special guest on the podcast today. Special K, Kellen Voss, uh, old Slam What's Dunk up, Show member. Uh, great, great to have you in, Kellen. And uh, we're just, we're gonna start off today. Uh, let's start off with uh, the finals. Uh, we have it set up. It is tonight, Thursday. The Warriors and the Raptors. It is it, game one is in Toronto. Uh, something that people really weren't uh, expecting after uh, the first two games in the Milwaukee series. Uh, Milwaukee was up 2-0, and Toronto came back and won the next four. And uh, let's just start with that Toronto series first. We don't have to talk about or the Toronto Milwaukee series. That is, we don't have to talk about the Golden State Trailblazers too much. But um, you know, after game two, after game two, it seemed like uh, Giannis and the Bucks were really on their way to roll through the Eastern Conference and into the finals. And all of a sudden, Kawhi turned turned a switch on and just was able to will this team to victory. Yeah, it was. Uh, this is really Kawhi's playoffs to lose at this point. Um, I love to bring up the cross sports comparisons on our pod. I saw. I find it similar to um, when Joe Flacco in 2012 carried the Ravens to the playoffs. This is kind of what I see with Kawhi here. Um, ever since he started guarding Giannis in Game Three, Giannis only scored 18 points when Kawhi was guarding him. So he's shown that he can shut down any defend any offensive player in this playoffs. And as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I really like the Raptors to have a chance to upend the Warriors dynasty here. No, yeah, I mean, the Raptors look really good. Like, Kawhi's just doing what we, we've seen Kawhi do when he was a spur with Pop back in the day. I saw the Twitter video the other day when LeBron at the free throw line and Kawhi got checked in, and LeBron looks back and goes, expletive. Like, he saw Kawhi coming in. Kawhi is a game changer. He can shut down your biggest offensive threat. I mean, Golden State doesn't have that athletic go-to as far as the Bucks have, the honest. But Kawhi can still come into the game and shut down a Clay Thompson, who, if he gets hot, can change the entire outcome of a game. If Kevin Durant makes a comeback in the series, he'll definitely be tasked with uh, shutting down the 6'11 shooting guard. Or even, I mean, Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry's a smaller guy. You might not want to waste Kawhi's size on somebody that small, but if, if Steph's kind of got a guy that's bringing the Warriors points and bucket loads, you kind of have to throw him on there. And that's what Kawhi brings to the Raptors, is whoever gets hot on that Warriors team, you throw Kawhi on him, you can probably st- stow the flame a little bit and keep yourself in the game. If I'm uh, if I'm Toronto, I'm for sure putting Kawhi on Steph Curry because he's the one that's going to beat you in this series. I mean, Clay's going to get you a couple games with as well as the shooter at East End, but if you can shut down Steph Curry and let all the action run through Clay and Draymond, even someone like Kevon Looney, that's the Raptors' best chance to come away home with a victory in this series. Yeah, really, you know, even putting Kawhi on Steph doesn't really give them any mismatches defensively uh, with the other four guys. Uh, you still have Lowry, Siakam, uh, Marcus Gasol, who we'll get to a little bit later, and uh, Serge Ibaka. Uh, they have the flexibility they, to like, yes. guard all those positions, is what you're saying. They yeah. have, they have guys that, that are switchable. Uh, your whole entire starting lineup, besides... Besides, like, Gasol, you know, getting switched on to, to Curry, that's probably the worst matchup you, you'd want out there. But, no, putting Kawhi out there on, on Steph is, is certainly a good would, would be a good strategy that Nick Nurse would would be able to throw out there. And, uh, you know, just uh, staying on the Kawhi topic, uh, it's just crazy to think that uh, we, we sort of forgot how great he was. Uh, we're watching him in this playoffs like, wow, Kawhi is so good, but, like, 
we already knew that. We've seen that before. We've, se- we've seen it the, the uh, two, two, three years ago when he got uh, knocked out by Zaza Pachulia. Uh, I mean, he was the best player in, in the, was about to take the crown of the best player in the league and possibly knock off the Warriors with KD. Um, he has that injury. He sits out last year. We don't really see from him. Uh, he has a slow start to the fir- like the first 20 games. He's, he's slow to start the season. But ever since then, man, this, this guy has been on a mission. He's played amazing in this playoff run. And uh, like you said, Kellen, this is his playoff uh, to lose at this point. Absolutely. Um, I would be surprised if after this playoff is all said and done, the NBA as a whole doesn't consider Kawhi to be their best player in the league. I mean, honestly, the MVP debate was all between Giannis and Harden. It was a two-man race from that aspect. When you look at who's been in clutch games, who's been in big moments, LeBron keeps declining. It's looking like we're going to be nearing the end of the Golden State dynasty here. So it's hard for me to not try to convince myself that Kawhi is the best player on in the NBA right now. No, and then the one thing I think about this Raptors-Warriors series going forward is that the Warriors in the past few years where they've made finals runs, I feel like this is probably their worst team as far as depth goes coming off the bench. I mean, you're, you're hurt by the fact that Kevin Durant's not playing, so Iguodala has to take a starting role, but I just don't see a lot of guys that come off the bench that can make a difference. The Raptors have Fred Van Bleet, who is – when he's on, can be a 20-point scorer coming off your bench. And I just don't think the Warriors have a go-to guy off the bench. They're going to have to play their starters a lot of minutes. Uh, Jonas Drebko, love the man. He's not going to be giving you lots Swedish, of points. Swedish Larry Bird. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he's just not going to give you the production you want. Uh, Sean Livingston's is getting older. Fans know that if, Yo- if Jonas Drebko is your, is your first or second option off the bench, then you're in a bad place definitely. That reminds me of the Rodney Stucky Pistons, and that's not a place I want to go to ever again. No. <laughs> no you, you certainly don't want to go back to that. But uh, looking through the box scores, I, I was I was looking through box scores uh, from both series, um, and you know you look at Toronto's team. They they were able to get through Milwaukee, but when you look at the contributions they were getting, it's not something that you're really happy about. Even though you have that depth in Toronto, uh, besides Fred VanVleet having a big game. Uh, in Game 5, had 21 points on 7-9 shooting from 3. Besides that, they really didn't get hu- uh, good, per- uh, really good performances from, from a number 2 or a number 3 guy. And if Fred Van Vliet's your number 2 or number 3 guy giving you that big night, uh, that's not good in, in terms for the success of uh, Toronto. You know, you'd hope to see Pascal Siakam come up big, but he's he's been... And oh, no. he's been in and out. Kyle Lowry, shoot, the guy plays terrible in the first round of Eastern Conference playoffs. You think he, like playing good in the finals? I, I'm I'm worried about that for him. And so if he can't if he can't uh, do well against the Orlando Magic, then there's no way that he's gonna be able it, to get to do well in the finals. And that's and that's something that I think is going to be huge. Granted, the Warriors don't have the the depth, but they're still going 10-11 deep on their bench that entire Portland Trailblazers series. And when they were doing that, they were able to run guys around constantly and get those bench guys that the Trailblazers, or in this case the Raptors, are relying on, get them tired throughout the game, and then your stars are going to be able your, – your stars are playing 40 minutes a game. They, Clay, Draymond, and, and Steph are going to be playing 40 minutes a game, and you know what you're going to get out of them. And that's a great luxury to have yeah. on for, uh, for, for the Warriors. And so I think that's what sort of gives them the edge and – I would. I'm personally picking the Warriors for this series. Interesting that you picked the Warriors. Um, I want to see. My heart of hearts is telling me to pick the Raptors six, just because I want to see that happen. But realistically, as an, as someone who's been watching the NBA over the past few years. 
years. Um, if Steph and Clay get hot, there's no stopping them, and I feel like they're going to get hot in more of these games than not. And so I'm going to go with you. I'd say Warriors. I'd say Warriors in six. They end it in or they end last game. They win a title to take it by the Oracle. I would say. Oh, that, I, like, yeah, you said it perfectly. My heart's with the Raptors, but it's hard to bet against the Steph Clay. And if, and if Kevin Durant comes back, everyone's trying to say that they're not they're even better without KD. That's not the truth. No. KD can drop 35 at any given moment along with Steph and Clay. So I say Warriors in five. I don't think the Raptors get more than one game, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I'm right with Chance in five. I think I actually think tonight's the only game Toronto gets. I think the crowd is going to be absolutely amazing tonight. Drake will be there. Drake will be there. I think he's got a halftime massage session lined up for Nick Nurse. As he should. To get him loosened up a little bit going into the second half. Good, good. And yeah. so... I just I think this will be the one game that the the crowd and all the momentum will be around Toronto, and I think they'll be able to they've top gotta them. They've got to bring back those old school. Uh, they've got to bring back those old school purple jerseys, right? Yeah, they you you would hope you would hope so. You Come would really on, hope that would so. be great. I With love the those jerseys. Stripes and the Raptor on oh. it. Oh, that would be great. If they bring those back, they're probably. Uh, Raptors in four. If they bring those. Yeah, if they bring back. those back, oh, Air Canada Center will implode, and they'll win in yeah. four games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Staying, uh, staying with the NBA, I do want to talk about the Bucks a little bit because there are some uh, question marks about the team uh, going into yeah. the off going into the off season. You know, you got Chris Middleton, who's a re- or, uh, I think he's an unrestricted free agent. Brooke Lopez is going to be going out and looking for a big deal. You just locked up Eric Bledsoe to to seventeen million dollars per year, uh, which is about roughly what Reggie Jackson's making, and so that's good. And um, <laughs> You have some decisions to make because Eric Bledsoe was not good for you in the playoffs. Brooke Lopez is going to be. It seemed kind of dumb of them to lock up Eric Bledsoe for seventeen million a year just because of how inconsistent he was in the playoffs. I mean, in the biggest moment towards the end of that uh, Bucks Raptors series, George Hill was on the floor instead of him. So lock up a guy that you can't keep on the floor for the conference finals, which you decide. Yeah. Uh, key. Your, your key second and third options in the offense of Middleton and Lopez is just preposterous to me. Yeah, I just uh, – it's it's crazy. You know, at the, in the middle of the season when they did lock up Bledsoe, it kind of looked like a deal. It, it did the, – the deal that they gave him kind of looked like something like, oh, wow, they were able to get a, a bit of a bargain here. But seeing how he played at the, at the end of the season and into the playoffs, he just – you needed him to be the third option offensively. With with Giannis, uh, especially in that Raptor series when when Toronto was packing in inside and not giving not giving Giannis anything inside, he needed guys to be able to kick it out to. Middleton was okay, but Middleton in Game Five only had six points. Bledsoe, I think, only shot thirty percent from the field in the series. Uh, Nikola Mirotic, who they who we thought was going to be a great addition uh, when we were recording the pod back in February, Kellen. Didn't yeah. e- couldn't even play in Game Six. You have so many. You have to figure out what you're going to do with this roster. Do you bring everybody back, or do you try to make a trade? Maybe bring, maybe sign Chris Middleton, and maybe try to trade him for somebody. I think I think that the Bucks don't need to blow it up because, I mean, I think it's still a good core. I mean, Giannis is still going to get better every year. I don't think it's against. I don't think it's preposterous to think that Giannis still has the ability to develop a halfway decent jump shot. It's just I don't think that you need to blow it up our way because Eric Bledsoe, I don't like I didn't like that sign when it first happened. He's kind of a one trick pony as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't really do well. He's a he's a decent defender. He can shoot the ball like every once in a while. But he's not he's not really a game changing guy. I don't think he's worth 17 million. 
But, I mean, Chris Middleton's a great piece, one of the better shooters in the league, very underrated player. I mean, Miritich is a good shooter off your bench. I'm not sure if I can be able to bring back Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke Lopez is going to get some albatross deal with some sorry team just because of how great he shot this last year. But I think you just kind of bring back the pieces you can. You don't want to blow it all up and then start over from scratch. I mean... I would, I would tend to agree with Chance here in terms of bringing back their core. They need to sign Middleton. As long as Giannis continues to be the best player in the, in the game they're going to build around, which they should for the next five, six years, uh, you're going to need that second that secondary option that's a scorer that can shoot all over the floor like Middleton can. I think they need to look into re-signing Brooke Lopez because have, being able to stretch the floor and letting Giannis have free reign down in the lane and having Lopez out being able to shoot four or five threes a game, that's, that's going to be something you want to look into the foreseeable future. If you're the Bucks, though, I think you look into tinkering with your role players a little bit. I think you look into maybe getting rid of Miritich and trying to add um, a different veteran presence uh, to kind of bring into that locker room. And it also cannot be forgotten that Giannis is probably going to get better next season. We're probably going to see a whole new version of Giannis compared to what we've seen last year based on the dedication, based on the hard work that we've seen him put in, in, in past off-seasons. Giannis is not as good as his full potential is going to be quite yet. It's just terrifying. You have, you have to account for that as the bug. Yeah, exactly. It's terrifying to think about. That, that's a, that's a great point. You know, you would you would definitely expect he has been he has gotten better each and every single year that he's been in the league. Uh, the, just the one thing that concerns me a little bit is the fact that the jumper's just not there. And when you're going to be the number one option on a team and a guy that's going to play on the perimeter, you need to be able to either hit a hit a spot-up jumper, or be able to do uh, do something off the dribble. No, you don't need to be like Clay. You don't need to be like a guy that creates your own three-point shot. You just need to be that guy that can hit the occasional rotational three-point shot. And if he, you're open, you need to make. And while we saw the fact that he was able to shoot it this year, he just it, it still it still wasn't something. I think he shot 28 percent from three. It's inconsistent. It goes yeah. in. It's not awful, but it's not and, as consistent as you need it. To be. And you could see in that Raptors series the way the way they were defending him. They like I said, they were coming in and packing in in the paint. And just all they wanted him to do was get rid of the basketball because when when all you have is Chris Middleton and maybe Eric Bledsoe to trust out uh, out there, th- those Lopez. are those are, yeah those are the only guys that you really uh, are worried about on defense to be closing out at. You you can put a lot of your attention towards Giannis. Right. Chris Middleton's a, I think a very good player in this league, but I don't know if he's necessarily a great t- second option. I think he would be an ama- I think he'd be a great third option. But uh, I think he's he's just sort of the de facto second option just because of this what the, how this Bucks team is constructed. So if you're the Bucks, Noah, who do you want to bring in as that second option to kind of take Milton's role? See, that's that's the. Are you, that, are you that, looking to like a CJ McCollum type, like a guy who can a guy who can stretch, take big shots, and, and shoot all around the three point line? I don't think the I don't think the salary works out for them to be able to sign it, maybe like a sign and trade kind of a thing. But is that a guy that you look into saying, hey, you add that to the Bucks team, you give them a whole other dimension of what their offense can look like? Yeah, yeah I think that makes them a better team if you swap, if you, if you do that <laughs> hypothetical sign-and-trade for a middle. Because I think Middleton's contract will be enough that the that the money would work in a, in a sign-and-trade with, with CJ. Um, I think that would... I think that would make the make the team a little bit better. Uh, I I, th- I definitely think it's a better second option. But but like you said, that the role players are going to be are going to play a huge are going to play a huge factor in in whether or not this team uh, succeeds or not. And they do need to they need to sure up that bench. They need to have guys that were. I mean, this was a historically great team in the regular season, and we're talking about 
what they need to do differently next year, which is crazy because when they, when you get into playoff basketball, it's completely different. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and one more basketball story. I don't know if you, if you have this plan or not. Uh, the news that came in the other day about the Houston Rockets making everyone available. Pistons fans do not want Chris Paul. I, I was gonna ask you. Not, do we want Lob City in in the Motor City? If you Pistons fans don't want twenty five year old Andre Drummond for twenty seven million, and they want Chris Paul for. Thirty-nine million. We could probably cut the cost. Oh Thirty-five God. years old. Chris Paul would be a nightmare. Chris Get Paul is my Chris Paul That'd is my favorite terrible. player of all time. But do not trade anybody. No, I'm totally against it too. One, just because I, yeah, I it, saw I saw this stuff on Twitter. No, yeah, and I, I remember the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin glory days in L.A. It, it, it I, I imagined him in a Pistons jersey for his second, and then I saw the cap number in my head, and I almost stroked out driving. Hey, two years if, ago, if, two years ago, I would have done it. No, that's that's all I was. Just two years ago, if this trade would have been possible, and we had Blake and Andre, I would do anything in my power to get Chris Paul. But yeah, but if you if you were to add Chris Paul now, Detroit just automatically becomes a sole problem with what drama are Chris Paul and Blake Griffin getting into today. And yeah, because Blake, that mix, and Blake could, and Chris don't really like each other. Here. Right, and it's just we already have a big point guard cap number with Reggie Jackson. Unfortunately, I mean, but there's some some more interesting pieces on. The, I mean, I don't think Harden's a like possibility. They said everyone's available. I don't think uh, you get rid of your franchise guy. You know, Eric Gordon would be interesting. This, I just want to know what the price is. If, if it's if this is the right price, Eric Gordon would be a great bench piece for us, a mm-hmm. veteran guy who knows they shoot the basketball. I thought we were getting that with Wayne Ellington this year, and then I watched him go 0 for 20, like every game. So you know, he he was better by the end of the season. We thought he was maybe uh um uh he was working for the Heat. We thought for a little while. He you think was, so? Because they were there on the bubble the with us? He was trying to, yeah, he was trying to sabotage the team. Yeah, but another, I mean, not an interesting piece for us because we got big man Galore over in Detroit, but Clint Capella's a really good big. I mean, they could probably score something pretty good for him. Yeah, um, I mean, they got, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Houston does this summer. I wouldn't have thought that Houston was going to be a team that was going to uh, be movers movers this offseason as I just, far this, I just don't see how you move that Chris Paul contract. Yeah. That's an that's a albatross of a deal. He's an aging point guard. He can still bring you value, mm-hmm. but at that price, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people that bite unless it's a rebuilding team that gets picks as well. Or the Lakers. Or the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> CP3 the Lakers, part two. David Stern is nowhere in sight. Make, make it happen. Yes. But yeah, I just want to throw that in for basketball because I thought that was an interesting story. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, uh, this entire offseason is going to be so. It's going to be lots one of, the of more, free agents. Lots of I mean, yeah. LeBron's son's got Instagram account now. Yeah. It's crazy. Bronny and Zaire are playing high school ball together next oh year. Oh my gosh! That Jeez. kid went to Australia to play instead of college RJ basketball. Hampton. It's a crazy offseason for basketball fans. Crazy. You know, uh, partial playing. owners of that New Zealand Breakers team are uh, the part of my take. Guys, yep. So yeah, I did see podcast. that. Part-time they owners. Got, yeah. They got uh, they got uh, a patch on the jersey too. Did they really? They got a bar yeah. patch on yeah. the jersey. Yeah. Good for them. Uh huh. Well. So, uh, yeah, as far as the Rockets go uh, and the Pistons, don't give me Chris Paul. If Eric Gordon is worth – we can't – I don't think flipping our pick for him is the right idea. No, no. Not even kind of. There's some good guys in this draft. Austin Rivers is a piece that I like from the Rockets. I think he's going to – he'll be a – I think he's going to be an unrestricted free agent because they – I think they bought out his contract or when I think Utah waived him, they picked him up. And so I think he was just on like a one-year deal, so he'll be unrestricted. Yeah, well, he'd be an upgrade from Langston Galloway as a as a as a shooting guard to come off the bench. Absolutely. Now, the, speaking of Langston Galloway, I have heard rumors uh, 
last basketball topic we'll talk about for a little bit. <laughs> um, I had heard rumors about possibly a Langston Galloway for Chris Dunn trade. I know oh the, my goodness, that'd the, be wonderful. The Bulls don't want Chris Dunn. They need a shooter off the bench. You know, I think bringing, I would maybe bringing that. in a young because. Chris Dunn has virtually no value. Our boy Joe definitely knows about that, Kellen. Chris yeah, Dunn does yeah. not does not have well, any value he, right he now. Hasn't really, he hasn't really been in a good position, though. I no. mean, coming into the league and being on that struggling Timberwolves team and then getting traded over to the Bulls in that Zach Levine trade, he really hasn't been able to flourish in a proper role yet. I'm not saying Detroit's the ideal spot for him, but he's, it's obviously much better than the tanking Bulls or the tanking Timberwolves. Yeah, if we can't bring back Ish, I think it would be... Awesome to be able to have Chris Dunn as a Chris backup. Dunn's a very good on-ball defender too. And you, you either f- you figure out do you want him next year? You can because re- he'll be restricted. He'll be a restricted free agent after his rookie deal's done. Uh, you can figure out from there do you want to move on from him or uh, give give him the qualifying offer, see if he comes back on that. Yeah, it's low risk, high reward. It's yeah. something I really I, I would move, love to see that trade if it could actually come into. Come you move into one of the wings that are we have too many wings on this team as it is and we're looking to draft and sign wings as well Mm -hmm. so moving on from wings and trying to figure out uh, and find pieces that that'll fit into the rotation would be nice um Callan the reason the main reason that you wanted to be on the podcast though was your Wolverines made a big coaching uh hire last week uh Jawan Howard is the new Michigan head basketball we gonna shock the world (laughs) Uh, I believe uh, they're announcing they ha- they're having a press conference today about that, so there'll be they are yeah there'll, there'll be a lot I more think that's news. Going on as we speak right now, yeah. actually. Yeah, I we're, think... we're recording this at like one of, at like one p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. time, and I think that's going on right now. So. Yeah, so there'll be a lot more coming coming out of that uh, later today. But uh, you two are big Michigan fans. Uh, I am the resident Michigan State fan. I feel like anywhere I go. Um, so your guys' initial initial reactions when you saw. Jawan Howard was going to be the next Michigan basketball head coach. You go ahead, Kellen. Let me uh, preface this by saying that I love the culture that he's brought about um, that's going to bring the Michigan basketball, and I love the bad vibes behind him, and I kind of love the whole let's kind of bring swag back to Michigan college basketball aspect. But in terms of the hiring standpoint, I mean, Jawan Howard's never been a head coach, and his only experience in coaching has been as an assistant on a heat team that's like been a lower seed in the playoffs a couple of times. Obviously, he's worked under Riley and Spolstra, so that's good to see. But going from the consistency of John Beeline and knowing what you're getting and knowing that this man is going to lead us to the battle in a good, good way to Jawan Howard, a guy who's never even been a head coach of a JV basketball team, are you kidding me? I That's why I was I was kind of brought back by the signing. I was a big Ed Cooley guy. I, I, I love what Ed Cooley has built at Chris Dunn's alma mater, just to bring it back full circle. But um, to see... Uh, to see Jawan Howard be the coach of Michigan, I, I, I like the culture that he claims that he's going to try to bring into Michigan, but I don't love it from a hiring standpoint. I think we need to work on now bringing in an assistant who's going to be a quality head coach to help back him up and help with like little intricacies of being a head coach. Yeah, no, the biggest thing for me when the hire happened, well, as, as soon as Beeline left, I should say, before Jawan even came to the picture, was I knew as soon as Beeline left that there was no way we were going to be able to bring in someone like Beeline. This guy was a one-of-a-kind coach as far as character goes, as far as recruiting, as far as getting the most out of the players he did recruit. I knew that we wouldn't get another Beeline. So, like, I saw some rumors of Ed Cooley. I really like Ed Cooley, too. He's done a great job over there at Providence, really good coach. 
I saw an article where it was really, really hard for him to turn down the Michigan job because it is a Big Ten job and it's a big school and there's lots of exposure. But I, I like the Juwan Howard uh, decision. I mean, there's just you're not going to get a beeline again, and I feel like Juwan has just so much pull within the Michigan school. Like he's like he was a, he he was there the Fab Five era. He's always come back. He's always been a good part. He's been a good alumni. He's going to have that connection to Michigan that players are going to like. When they see it, when they when when players come in for recruiting, they want to see the coach as someone that they want to be. They want to see on the sideline, supporting them. They want to make sure they're having the right guidance when it comes to things on and off the court. I mean, Juwan Howard was the recruiter in the Fab Five era. He was the one that brought all those guys together. I feel like he could have some recruiting chops. We won't know until we he actually puts some pen to paper and gets some recruits. But I, I, it's gonna be, it's not gonna be as smooth as that. It's going to take some adjusting, but I think that with the right system, and if he keeps the right leaving, I mean, Poole is probably gone. Bryce Dacus is gone. Oh, yeah, Poole's gone. I think I think all three of them are gone. I think they're all staying. Draft, Simpson so. is staying, though, correct? S- uh, Simmons is, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, Simmons so we'll have back. Xavier Simpson. Seth, he'll be back. So we have some guys returning from last year. Yeah. And with the recruiting thing, like you mentioned, Chad, that's, that's probably the one weakness you could bring up about John Beeline is, he got the most out of the recruits he did get, but Michigan didn't get a ton of five-star, four-star recruits. No. Jawan Howard's pitch can now be, hey, I could have gone anywhere in the country to play college basketball when I was your age, and I picked Michigan, and look at what we built there, and look at what we're trying to build now. That's, That's a, a pretty good pitch to any five-star, four-star, big-man recruit that Michigan hasn't been able to get over these past couple of years. We kind of now throw our hats into the ring with the Dukes and Kentuckys and the Kansas of the college basketball world. And that's the one positive takeaway that I like with John, well, with Juwan Howard being the head coach of Michigan now. Yeah, first off, uh, I was completely shocked when I saw the news that Beeline took the Cleveland job. I cried. I, legit um, cried. I like. I, I we, wo- were, we were all shocked. I don't think anybody was expecting yeah, it. Yeah, when I woke up to that, I, I just, I mean, I, no, there was no rumors about anything. It was just, it was just out of the blue. Um, but yeah, Kellen, I'm sort of, I'm kind of with you on the Jawan Howard thing. Uh, you know, just trying to not be uh, biased at all, being a, being a state fan, just looking at it with a clear clear view. I think the recruiting aspect he, that that's going to be where uh, he's going to thrive. You know, he, I think the blueprint that he needs to try to follow, uh, you you have to look exactly at what Penny Hardaway's doing in Memphis right now. Uh, he, Absolutely. He brought in an associate head coach in Sam Mitch, uh, Sam Mitchell, uh, former NBA player. Tanja Co- played, like I said, he played in the NBA. He was an assistant uh, under uh, Flip Saunders. So having that kind of pedigree as an associate head coach, because I think Penny is just more of the, like you said, with Jawan, he's going to be the face of the of the program, and the recruiting is what is going to be the number one part uh, of his job. You know, he brought in Mike Miller as one of his assistant coaches. You have to, the staff has to be solid around him, and I think that is going to be the biggest uh, the biggest thing that you're going to have to look at uh, when when all the all the hirings said and done and all that. Uh, you have he has to be able to have a good core around him. Um, I was kind of, and it looks like steps have been taken in the right direction to build that core around him as a coaching staff. I've heard rumors that I can't think of his name right now, but the, the longtime St. John's head coach that was there before Chris Mullen, he's been rumored to take an assistant position. Um, apparently, Juwan Howard really likes bringing back uh, Luke, Luke Yacklin, who was the assistant that kind of revamped our defense and made it a top five defense in college basketball last year. So he's kind of on a good path in terms of filling out his coaching staff so far. 
yeah, Yaklich, I was, I, I would have, uh, he was honestly my first choice to to replace Beeline. I thought he would have been a great choice. Uh, you know, he's been he's been with Beeline for a few years now. Uh, he sort of he knows how he's he just sort of knows the the system pretty well. The the defense, I mean, won them so many games this year. Uh, hopefully, he can keep him around. Uh, I know uh, there's been a lot of reports that he's kind of got one foot out the door uh, with some other with some other offers. Um, I heard I heard possibly he could be going with Beeline to Cleveland. Oof. I heard that was a rumor. Oh. Um, oh, you don't want to see that as a Michigan fan. No, no. so so it's going to be interesting. I, I if they can keep Yaklich, I, I'd be really if I was a Michigan fan, I'd be really happy about that. Um, but all in all. Uh, not blown away by the hiring at all. Uh, I think it's good for the culture of Michigan. Um, it sort of, it sort of changes the culture, but like keeps the, uh, just keeps the core of everything yeah. around. You know what I mean? And I think that it's a different culture than Beeline had, but it's, it's a very shiny site like signing. It's a very shiny pick for your head coach. It's something that's going to get people excited. Yeah. But you got to make sure we we do enough. He can do enough, Juwan to sustain that momentum and that excitement so you can keep keep the ball rolling as far as Michigan goes. We've been a tournament team, deep runs for the last few years now. You can make you can make a big signing on someone with no no track record as a college head coach. Like you say, he hasn't even head coached a JV basketball team. This guy has no experience as far as like running the show. But if he can figure it out and you can like sustain this exciting signing and make everything like, just like bring in a couple seasons of good solid seasons, it's gonna be a great signing. Like looking back on it, it's gonna be like, wow, what a great job to get everyone Super hyped up by bringing in an old boy and then having that old boy succeed. Now, if he struggles in the first couple of years, the shine's going to wear off, and then we're going to be looking, well, where do we go next? After yeah. having 10 or so years of sustained success, we're not used to, as Michigan fans, not having like a successful team or having like confidence or stability. So this is going to be a scary time for us. Yeah. And sorry to cut you off there, but and the figuring out is um, – what I'm worried about as a Michigan fan because there's certain things that you can't figure out as a head coach until you're a head coach yourself. And I don't want Jawan Howard to be figuring out those things in the Breslin Center when we're down by five to Michigan State inevitably. Like, that's what I'm worried about. Uh, I feel like Big Ten coaches are going to be able – it's just a different brand of basketball that the NBA is. And Jawan Howard going to need to figure that out quickly or else it's going gonna, it's gonna to be kind of a sinking ship for Michigan this season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a real big possibility he's going to get out coached in a lot of matchups in the Big Ten. You look at the coaching, uh, the, the coaches that you have in the Big Ten. You have uh, Izzo, uh, Matt Painter, uh, you know, uh, Fran McCaffrey over in, in Iowa, uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Collins. Uh, yeah, Chris yeah. Holtman at Ohio State. Um, I believe that's his name. I think Holtman. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Patino over at Richard Patino at Minnesota. You have so many high caliber coaches in the conference. That's why I thought, and I, I was, I agree with you as well, Kellen, about the Ed Cooley thing. Cooley would have been if you were going to go on an outside hire. Cooley would have been my guy to go and get because I think he's a he's a good enough coach, and I think you can surround yourself with recruiters. Um, there's two ways this Jawan Howard thing is going to go. It's either going to go Penny Hardaway or Chris Mullen, and you you better hope it's the Penny Hardaway. Yeah, you know? Chris Mullen was tough to watch. Yeah, Mullen couldn't bring he anybody into St. John's. Hardaway. Granted, it's St. John's, but Penny's bringing a ton of guys into Memphis. And it's Memphis. So but, yeah, uh, the only Memphis so, guy I know is Penny Hardaway and Derek, Derek Rose. Rose. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, 
I think I think it I don't think it'll be uh, a crash and burn type of hire. Uh, I think there's going to be some growing pains for sure, but I think uh, I think Michigan is going to be culture wise going to be okay. It's just it's all in the matter of who does he surround himself. Who with. Who does he surround himself yeah. with, and how does he adjust? Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to be. Yep. Uh, you got to cross your fingers that he learns how to make those adjustments quicker than sooner. Oh, absolutely. Than than absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Want to jump around a little bit? We talked about the NFL draft last week on the pod, or two weeks ago on the pod. But Kellen, we we didn't get any of your thoughts. We talked about the the draft on the pod a lot uh, in April. Uh, so just to, we'll just focus on the Lions draft. Uh, a lot of mixed reviews from people. Um, your thoughts uh, on the eight guys the Lions selected? Now that I've had time to think about it, I I enjoy what Bob Quinn did. I think um, having Ed Oliver on the board it hurts to not have him, and then. I think in an ideal world, uh, if you if you flip the first and second round picks and take Ed Oliver in the first round and take a tight end like Herb Smith in the second, then Bob Quinn would have nailed the draft. But other than that, he did a really good job. Um, the seventh rounder, Isaac Nada, is getting hailed as one of the steals of the draft and could potentially make the roster right away, which is a seventh round pick is amazing to see. Uh, will Harris is going to compete as a safety. I really like the Hawaii linebacker just because he really fits the New England mold of like Donta Hightower, Rob Dinkovich type linebacker that New England's looking for. I think the guy from Penn State, Amani, can, um, he potentially could even start at the second corner day one, which to get a starter like that in the fifth round is is, is an awesome move for Detroit. Uh, I've grown to like Hawkinson the more and more I read about him, the more I read about him being a hard worker, and he, he can open up the middle of the field for Stafford and bring out the passing game. Um, I really think Bob Quinn did well in this draft. If I were to give him a grade, I'd, I'd give it a B just because he didn't get – because he passed up on Ed Oliver, who potentially has a, has a chance to be the Aaron Donald of this draft. He passed up on him. But in terms of the back half of the draft, I have no reason to not trust trust Bob Quinn and what he's been doing, and he proved to me that he can select quality players so far in yeah. this in this uh, draft. Yeah, I'm, I was right there with you, Kellen. You know, we're – you know, great minds think alike. We, we've been on, we've been on top of it <laughs> yeah. today. Uh, no, uh, you know, something Chance and I talked about a couple weeks ago was that if you flip those second and fifth round picks for each other, I don't think you had, uh, so the second was Jelani Tavai and fifth was obviously Amani Awarie out of Penn State. Yeah. If you flip those two, if you draft Amani in the second and Jelani in the fifth, I think Lions fans are a lot happier about the draft, to be honest. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And absolutely, because so, nobody had heard of him when, he, when they picked him in the second round. No, no I didn't know who he was. And, I didn't follow the draft like it's a religion. Yeah, and Amani was was a projected second-round pick in every single mock you look, looked at. When he was when he was dropping every single time, I was texting Chance. I said, oh, God, we should get Amani in the third. Now, yeah, oh, third we should get him in the fourth. Round. And then he was available in the fifth, and we got him. And I was – I had been so – I was – Mocking him second round in every single mock, mm-hmm. and to the Lions, I wanted him so bad. He he, I mean, he's a four 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 five guy, uh, tall. So he's like six corner, one for a quarter. Good hands. Uh, I just felt like it was crazy not to not big to ten get, pedigree. It's just yeah. everything about it. I didn't see any red flag. That's why it was so surprising that he dropped so far. Yeah, I mean, mock drafts are what we see as individuals. NFL war room draft rooms, they like certain guys that you never expect. AKA yeah. July Divine in the second round. We never I never would expect him to pick that. And there were teams that really wanted Tavine no, in the second. Um as far as Kellen said about Ed Oliver, because I have seen the Lions miss out on the actual Aaron Donald of the draft when we we took with that Eric Ebron we took over yes. Aaron Donald. Oh my yes, gosh. it was. I'm getting PSD right yeah, PSD so it hurts to see especially since we took the same position, but 
if TJ Hawkinson, because everyone sees like tight ends as like blocking and going down the middle of the field five, ten yards at a time. If TJ Hawkinson could come in year one and just if he could elevate the rest of the passing game, because if TJ Hawkinson can run good routes, if he can sustain his run blocks, if he can get open in the middle of the field and force the defenses we go up against to converge and have to like put zones and like make plans for him, that's gonna elevate the play of Galladay. Jones, Amendola, yeah. and if he can elevate the passing game and give Matt Stafford those easy throws and make make life easier as an offense, he's going to be worth that first round pick ten times over. Like every time I would want Hawkinson again, if he can elevate Stafford to that sort of like passing levels we've seen in the last year, not last year, but the co- a couple of years before that when he was making fourth quarter comebacks and doing his thing. If he can bring that Stafford back and carry on Johnson, and he helps the running game with blocking, T.J. Hawkinson's going to be worth it just for how he elevates the offense. Yeah, and... I think there's a case to be made that in Matthew Stafford's NFL tenure, he's never had an above-average tight end to throw to. I no. mean, he started up his career with Brandon Pettigrew, oh. who was injury-prone and drop-prone toward the end of his career. There were the years where there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of clarity in the tight end position. Guys like Joseph Fourier were, I mean, great for touchdowns. Big really Joe, baby. Anything else. Ebron struggled. Uh, in his time with Detroit, and then last season was atrocious when you look at guys like Levine Toilolo and Luke Wilson being the tight end option. So this That's might be the first quality tight end that Matt Stafford as a quarterback has ever had. And we've and, and time and time again it's shown that when you give NFL guys a safety blanket like um, like what Dallas Clark was with Peyton Manning back in his early days in Indianapolis, they can improve as a quarterback. So I think that the Hawkinson thing is huge just because you can get the most out of the few more years of Stafford's prime half. Yeah, and not only do we have Hawkinson, Jesse James isn't, ain't no slouch at tight end he's either. He's a big body. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a young guy too. You, uh, Bevel and even all the tight ends have been talking about, there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets, uh, sets on the field. Um, yeah, when Bevel was at Seattle, he actually used two tight end sets about 70% of the time in his play calling yeah, in, and, in his whole tenure at Seattle. Yeah. You, you, so we're going to see a lot of Hawkinson and James at the same time. And hopefully Michael Roberts somehow, because I'm a big Michael Roberts guy. I hope he comes I in. I hope he makes. I have two, but hopefully Nada might push him off the roster with as good as I've that's, heard of being at training camp. That's all yeah, right, I, I can't. It'd be, it'd be hard for me to see them bring four tight ends to, yeah. to the. Yeah. Uh, a to tough the, position. To maybe be super deep at. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll. It, it's gonna be. It was a good draft for sure. I uh, believe in it. Yeah. I believe in Bob Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn, we trust. Oh, always. Uh, last thing we want to touch on uh, the NBA draft. The Pistons are selecting 15th. Awesome. Uh, a lot at least we have one this year. Yes, at least we have our pick. Uh, it's a it's a weird spot to be picking. There's a feels like a ton of guys that are gonna be there, but like I, looking at all the big boards and looking at all the sc- uh, just the uh, scouting reports and all the guys, there's red flags on a, on just about everybody that are, that are worrisome. Uh, Kellen. Who, who do you see at 15 that, that really fits in well with the Pistons? What's funny is when we were, when we were touching on this um, when we had our pod in April, I really like Kobe White as a prospect for the, for the Pistons, but he's kind of risen off mock draft boards, and I've seen him as high as fifth in a lot of mock drafts. Yeah, seven so a I lot to, to, our, to, to Joe's Bulls, too. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like he's going to be unavailable mm-hmm. by the time the Pistons pick, but I feel a guy like Romeo Langford, you know, another guy that can score, another guy that, that the Pistons can play potentially in crunch time to have, have uh, to, to give you threes off the bench. And really, any type of score that can push pressure off of the rest of our guards and allow us to free ourselves of the 
plague of Reggie Jackson that has been plaguing us the last couple of seasons. Potentially, if you can find a point guard that can inevitably be his replacement, that's ideal. But I like a lot of the options that are there with the fifth pick. Yeah, you know, you've got, uh, as far as point guard goes, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a guy That's I talked guy about too. a couple a couple weeks ago um, at the 15th pick out of Virginia Tech. He's 6'5". He's a, he's a good playmaker. Going to the bucket uh, is probably his biggest his biggest red flag. Uh, he, he doesn't have great athleticism going up against uh, bigger-bodied guys, so that's that's a bit of a concern. Um Kevin Porter Jr. I'm starting to starting to like a little bit. I've seen more some videos on him. Um, Stupid athletic for a guard. Very athletic. Uh, he can d up. He can shoot, but uh, one thing that is concerning: he only shot 50% from the free throw line. Uh, as far as uh, future three point success goes, a lot of scouts will tell you to look at uh, free throw shooting. Uh, if they're about 75%, that's about where you want to be. And at 50%, it's a little tough. His, his shot does look a little weird too. Uh, it's a little flat. Hopefully, he can. He he's been working on that this summer. Um, and a guy like Casey Akpala, I talked about. Uh, maybe if you want to trade back in the draft, there's a lot of teams late in the draft that have uh, late in the first round. That is that have multiple picks, like Boston. Uh, I think the Nets might have a couple picks. No, yeah, Boston. Yeah, the Nets have a couple. Yeah. yeah, the Nets have a couple late. So there's there's some options there, um, as far as trading back. Uh, even Cam Johnson. Is a good is a good pick maybe. Uh, I've been hearing people talk about bull bull possibly, and that scares the absolute yeah, hell out of me. Yeah, I don't really want to see that. Um, so we don't we don't we already have uh, we already have Don Maker. We don't need another one. No, no and he's slower than Th- like watch the watch his workouts. I mean, overtime and slam are talking about how great he is, and it's like he I move so I could guard him. Yeah. I'm five ten. I feel like I could guard. Bo- I mean, I couldn't contest the shot probably. No. But... It always stresses me out when guys like that have leg problems because oh, he has yeah. leg problems just like his dad did. And so, like, if his knees give out on him a couple more times, he might be out of the league in a couple years. Yeah, I mean, he played nine games at Oregon and had to have foot surgery right away, and that's that's really scary. At 19 years old, at seven three, and I want to say 190, maybe 200 pounds. Yeah, he's not exactly that's, built. He's pretty skinny. That's, that's like when he's soaking wet. Yeah, I bet he's closer to 180, 170. That's that's really scary. Like yeah. like Thon Thon looks scary thinny or <laughs> scary thin on the on the floor sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Bull Bull is a stretched out version of that. And I just a lot of people have him going in the in the lottery. I don't even see. T- I I wouldn't if I was in the lottery. There's no way I take a chance on him. No, but uh, I've seen stupider things. I've yeah. seen Anthony Bennett go number one overall. You never know what's gonna happen. That is true. Uh, hopefully, hopefully a guy maybe. Hey, maybe Cam Reddish falls to fifteen. <laughs> I do like them taking a flyer on a on a, my man Iggy from Michigan with their second round pick. Oh, That's absolutely. I would love Iggy. I'm, in the I'm right there. I'm right there with you, Iggy. Iggy in the second. Um, Another lefty, actually, out of Arizona State in the second is Lugans Dort. Uh, he's a freshman. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna climb. I think he's gonna be high. Yeah, second. I, I've I've been seeing him at like from sixteen to twenty five on some big boards, but not in first round of mock drafts, which, one I, guy, which is like really weird. One guy I really liked, uh, the second round prospect that I watched during the tournament was Naz Reed out of LSU. Naz Reed reminds me a lot of a Montrez Harrell. This is the way he plays as a big man, high energy, can get all the boards, can finish around the rim. Because Montrezl Harrell came out not super heralded. Took him a couple years to get his <clears throat> feet wet in the league. I really like Nasri in the second round. It could be a big come off the bench. Because we have 
<clears throat> I think Zaza's Just, gone, right? Zaza will be gone. Uh, uh, Don Maker. And John Luer. John Luer will probably be traded this summer. We should, we should get rid of John Luer as soon as somebody wants to offer us a trade. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't care if we had to give away picks. Just get rid of John Luer's contract. And then Don Maker isn't a traditional big. I saw him take so many corner threes that... It was terrible. He is actually a 38% three-point shooter from the corner. Just saying. But I just, just I just see 7-3. It's just like when you go to the rec at college and you yeah. see 7-3 dudes or like 6-foot-10 dudes shooting threes. If he was in the paint, you don't lose a rec game. But instead, he's sitting there in the corner, and then we get no boards, and then we lose. That's all I see when I see Thon Maker. Mm-hmm. You bring in someone like Nazarene, who's just an absolute bully in the paint, somebody who come off the bench and just wear down the other team's second unit. I really like the look for him. He just he looked like a linebacker in a basketball yeah. uniform. Yeah, coming into this college season, I kind of liked Naz at, at uh, in the first round for the Pistons, yeah. for, around where they were going to uh, be picking. And he he was really up and down at LSU. He's very raw. Yeah, he's a really raw guy. He's got a he's got a weird jump shot, but it goes in. He, mm-hmm. He's a he's a pretty good perimeter shooter. Um, but yeah, taking that for if if he falls to forty five. And I think it's a steal. I think I think him or Iggy or or uh, anybody around Jordan Poole maybe Jordan, mm, no uh, pass. Uh, maybe we'll un, he can well, we'll sign him as an undrafted. But that'd uh, be nice. bringing him in, I don't know. He, he, Jordan Poole. I, I remember that drive game for Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole should not be drafted. Jordan, Jordan <laughs> that hurts my feelings, but I get it too. He's very streaky. Uh, yeah. Well. Looks like that's going to do it for us here on the pod today. Uh, thanks to Callan for calling in. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at SpecialK52. Absolutely. Uh, right. SpecialK5252. Uh, we're coming out with summer editions for the Landorn. Uh, the summer edition will be out on June 10th. The softball team made to the College World Series. The track and field team won a couple national championships, so there's a lot of good GB news to check out there. Check it out so, on uh, Landorn. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, and, yeah, be sure to, if you can rate and review this anywhere you listen to it, do that, tell I guess. Tell your friends. Tell, tell your, your family. Friends. Tell your dog. Tell somebody. Yeah, post it on, uh, post it on Yahoo Messenger. Uh, oh, yeah. Craigslist. Craigslist. Let people know. Let people know we're out here. <laughs> All right. We'll see you.